Oh, oh I, hang I, I on, hang on. on. <laughs> this is great, isn't it? Uh, a white man does not listen to his own podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have got, we've gone full circle. The yeah, fact I'll, is, I'll just, I'll no, just edit stop. it where I think the Twilight one is the best one. Okay. No, stop <laughs> trying to deny the fact that you uh, <laughs> you made a terrible error. I know. Because the sad thing is that David's one editing this podcast, so he's just going to take that out. That's why you've got to keep keep. Mentioning the fact that yeah. David Oscar made him mistake. Dan was so loud doing my Twilight one that I couldn't get away with it. I know. Well, good movies. Hello and welcome to Well, Good Movies. The podcast that gives you the topics worth discussing and the movies worth watching. I'm your host, David Osger, and today we give you the movies worth watching, but we're also going to be imagining movies that are worth watching because we're talking about films that are taken from famous working titles. So those are films that go under a different name when they're in production, and we thought it'd be fun to imagine actual film plots from these fake titles. So we're going to be playing essentially a larger version of Pitch Please, which we've done in previous episodes. And we've got some very interesting guests to give us our take on those films that they want to pitch to me and Craig. So with me, like I said, is my usual co-host, Craig McDonald. He's come out of hiding, just like the film Cats has this week come out on DVD and Blu-ray, much to his joy when he walked into a local Tesco this week. Hello, Craig. Hi. I knew I knew that was coming. I, I just knew that was yeah. I actually saw a uh, like a whiskey or wine from Christmas, like a cat. Thought you were going to say whiskers? Then I was just like, no, David. Well, they could have gone for that pun, but no. But it was like uh, in the alcohol section of Tesco, they had like one of those Christmas alcohol boxes, and it was like perfect for Christmas, and they had the cat silhouette on it. I was like, uh, not even their alcohol sold <laughs> during that uh, during that weird time. I just still find the DVD fascinating. The fact that literally they had no positive reviews that they could put on <laughs> to entice anyone to watch it at all. They couldn't even take like the last airbender approach where they could just take a generic quote and not say where it's from. They just had nothing. And it was just, just great to watch. Just put stars for the sake of it. Even though the stars might not be there from anywhere, just put them there. So, like we said, not thinking about awful movies like we have recently and also like Cats. Today, we're going to be talking about films that we would like to see, possibly, once uh, once we get pitched them. We're going to be imagining some uh, films from pitches given to us. So, what better guest to have than two writers? First up is Paul Hunt, who is a local writer, and we've worked much before with him in the past. Hello, Paul. Your first time on the podcast. How are you? Yes, hello. Uh, my first time on any podcast. Ah, we've uh, broken <laughs> broken Paul's uh, podcast virginity. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if that's a phrase. Broken the virginity. <laughs> I was going between broken in and... Uh... Yeah, even so. Yeah. Bad choice of words. Exactly. Yeah, none of <laughs> them. I feel sorry for anyone who has had their virginity broken and not taken. So, uh, Paul, what, what's your link in with films and writing? What's you know your speci- speciality? To tell the people about yourself. I've been I've been writing for quite a long time. O- only I think get, getting really any good at it in the last five years. I, I got an agent last week, which was very exciting. So now I'm just making a list of everything I've ever written to see what 
she can try and send off to sell and, and perhaps get me a, a commission somewhere. In terms of the stuff that I like writing, um, mainly like coming of age, sort of American teen, you know, book smart, mid 90s, that kind of stuff. Usually someone's dead in it by the end. So typical coming of age trope that. Like usually in terms of stuff you're a fan of as well, it's um, like I was see on social media, like about sitcoms and stuff like that as well, wasn't it? It was only today you were talking about Sunny in Philadelphia and Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yes, I, I, I very much like uh, cynical comedies. The, the the old Seinfeld thing of no hugs and no learning is is certainly what I like in my comedy. Yeah, definitely. Because yes. by, by next week, they'll have forgotten whatever lesson they learned in the last two minutes of the show and will be back to normal. <laughs> so why bother learning it in the first place? Yeah, that's why I had recently with like lockdown. I was just like, right, I've finished Sunny in Philadelphia now. What shall I carry on in my dark comedy <laughs> marathon and i was like arrested development in the cynical comedy world but after 14 15 seasons of sunny in philadelphia you do start to question <laughs> yeah, like whether you're a good person or not seasons at the time maybe for, for people out there yes it's a good barometer <laughs> of your character <laughs> uh, also with us is a previous guest dan mitchell who is also a comedian and writer hello dan hello Last time you were on, we were talking about uh, B-movies and uh, Godzilla. Well, that's the sort of thing I love. I love something which is like, don't get me wrong, I love good quality films, but I like something which has, which is a bit rubbish, really, a bit rubbish. It makes me feel better about myself, and then I, I, I don't have to judge it, I can just enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. And, and actually, since you were on that episode, Dan, you, you've caused quite, you've sparked quite the narrative just in one joke. I'm not sure if you've seen much of this, but uh, we talked about the fact that dinosaurs can change, uh, no, sorry, flamingos are pink because of what they eat. So when I was talking about my dream film, which if I was doing picture film, it probably would have been Jurassic World because I was talking about my dreams of a uh, zoo tycoon in which you let the dinosaurs escape and they had the flamingos. Well, since that joke in which uh, Craig commented that Barney the dinosaur is potentially a flamingo eater. It started an entire storyline ever since, which has given us our mascot. What a delight. A purple, <laughs> shiny dinosaur. Oh, it's better than that. So currently it's pink, but it actually does... Yeah, it colour changes to purple. When you rub it, <laughs> it changes from pink to purple. Excellent. Yeah, That's take really it back what good. you will. Yeah, well, it's a dinosaur. In, in so much as extinct and can't do anything any damage. What also didn't help was that when we watched, when we went to see the Playmobil movie, because that is something that David and I decided to do, they actually had a dinosaur in there which was pink and magical and flies. And at one point it crosses another group of dinosaurs and they just comment to each other with subtitles. Was that Craig? <laughs> and we were just like, oh, for God's <laughs> sake. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I, I don't want to be too picky or anything. Yeah, I know. But magical, that's fine. Magic is magic, right? Um, how does it fly? Has it got wings? It that grew is... wings. It grew wings magically. Okay, right. That I, I let that off there because no dinosaurs could fly. <laughs> Just saying that. I think it's the storyline in the Playmobil movie, isn't it? That there's hay that gives things wings or something like that, and a dinosaur eats some. You're talking yeah. to me as if I would know. I, why would I? What purpose would I, a grown man, 
want half a go in to see the Playmobil movie. I'm selling you the film. I'm selling it to you, Dad. <laughs> it sounds like a weak-ass Lego movie. <laughs> so. Essentially why we saw it. That's pretty much what my five-year-old made of the Playmobil movie when I showed him the trailer. He was not interested at all. Oh, how many stars did he give it? <laughs> uh, none. There was, was like a farting noise and that was about it. Before we get into our sort of main topics, uh, we do want to quickly mention, obviously, during this whole pandemic and lockdown, we're talking about movies and things to sort of cheer us up because it is quite sort of difficult times for a lot of people. And we are in no way sort of blind to what's happening with the Black Lives Matter protests. They're very important and we very much support it. And we support all those who have done like Blackout Tuesday, where they shut down content in support of that movement and you know we are completely supportive of everything that's going on right now and to anybody who's in you know danger you know we hope that you're all okay and yeah just keep you know protesting peacefully and, and getting those messages out there um it is very important and uh yes it's a good history lesson for a lot of people out there as well but we're here today to talk about movies we don't want to be talking about things like lockdown things that sort of gets down we're going to go into sort of imagine if this film was made Imagine what this fake title could have been if they had actually gone along with it. Not in a competition style, but uh, I think it's a fun time, especially now, to uh, get our creative juices flowing and, and having a conversation about working titles. So, if, uh, like I said earlier, if anyone doesn't know, it's usually when a film is in production, they might use a pseudonym to cover up that it's the newest Avengers film or the newest Star Wars so that then there's not photographers or they don't charge them more for the sets and that kind of stuff. So they'll have either completely random names or they will have something that kind of teases what the actual film is. So our idea today was to not only talk about some of our favorite working titles, but to give Paul and Dan two working titles for big films. And they come up with a film based on that working title. And it can be either linked to the franchise that it was originally for, or it can be something completely different. So, like I said earlier, we've we've done this slightly as a game, as an end game before, uh, but we thought this would be a good chance to have a bit more discussion about it, what we would like to see. So, yeah, are you guys ready to uh, pitch your, your movies? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yes, without a doubt. So we said that we're going to do this with a um, flip of the coin. Um, Google's flip a coin is got ahead but then on the other side it's like a chamber of fire which when i first saw it, it was like which one is heads and tails but then once i saw the, the head then i was like oh, okay craig's got an actual coin oh yeah <laughs> there was me thinking that uh craig wouldn't be prepared and <laughs> don't don't rob him of his one job <laughs> he'll end your career david <laughs> paul call heads or tails tails okay so if it's tails paul will go first if it's heads dan will go first and it's heads. Oh, and the Google one was heads too. So there you go. It, it was meant to be. Wow. <laughs> it was meant to be. The past and the future combine. It's destiny. I go first. <laughs> Always so, one step ahead. So like I said, here, uh, we'll be hearing the pitch about what this film would entail, what uh, the working title that was given to you, what was the original film it was linked to. And uh, yeah, walk us through the plot of the film and potential casting ideas and uh, don't don't be shy on spoilers oh i i, I won't don't worry so um the title of uh, the the film is changing seasons 
changing season. So now, as you may know, this is the, the working title of uh, the Lord of the Rings. It's literally about the fact that they they go out. It's a lovely it's a lovely day, and uh, then massive war against evil fantasy characters starts. So it's not so lovely, uh, which you know puts our perspective on us having a bit of damp every now and then here in Wales. <laughs> Uh, but I decided to take it down a, a quite a different uh, route and ignore the hobbits. In fact, have none of them involved. I've had enough of them. Uh, they, they, I love Lord of the Rings, which is why I'm not going to try and emulate it in any respect. But the, the title itself says a lot, really. At first, I thought it was going to be like a, a sort of a love story over like several decades. These people, the odd couple, have not you know got to know each each other and they they start off hating each other but yeah, like 40 years later they finally get it on uh but can't manage to get it on but instead i've decided to go it's a cohen brothers film i've got them on board already okay i've got the cohen brothers it's called changing seasons and this is the this is the tagline okay when johnny season went to jail he knew that his family would take care of things but he didn't know all of his family so that's the thing okay now johnny season the the uh, uh, person who is in jail um, is actually a hotelier, and he owns a casino. Okay, and he's played by Nicolas Cage. I think Nicolas Cage is 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 the, the sort of perfect man for this job. Now he's not a massive criminal. He's a little bit dodgy. He's a little bit dodgy, but he's been set up, and he's gone to jail for it. Now he's he's in jail for about four years. Okay, four years. It's not a long time, not a massively long time, but it is for an innocent man. And he's a bit tamping about this, really. Uh, anyway, he gets out of jail. He gets out of jail and hopes to go back to his hotel and his casino, which have been, you know, he's been the, the proud owner, of, a proprietor of for, for many years. Um, but when he gets back, things have changed because, first of all, his dad, his dad, Papa Season, played by Jeff Bridges, uh, of course, Jeff Bridges, uh, is is a bit you're sort of like, oh, um, you're back. I wasn't expecting to see you here. And and now the one thing is you've got to pay know that Johnny does not know who set him up. So there's a bit of a mystery going on. He suspect starts to suspect everyone then about who's set him up. So there's his dad who's like, um, uh, okay, I'm a, you know surprised to see you here. Then um, his his wife played by Julianne Moore. She's called Ali Season. She's really surprised to see him, but she's she's massively oh I love you blah 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 blah. Obviously trying to hide something. Oh, what's she trying to hide? Then there's his investment uh, his accountant who's also his brother. Right, his, his, his accountant, Sylvester Season, and they're all trying to hide something from him. They're all trying to hide something from him. And then he goes, oh, don't worry about it, don't worry. I'll just go back to the casino tonight. I'll tell everyone I'm taking over. And they go, oh, no, someone else has taken over. And it's like, who? And it's Billy Season, all right? This is the Billy Season, who is his long-lost brother. Long Lost Brother, played by George Clooney. Okay? And basically, George Clooney, Billy Season here, has filled in every space that he took in his life, right? So he is now running the casino. Now, Johnny Season can't do it because he's got a criminal record, okay? So he, he understands that. He's shagging his wife. 
he's shagging Julian uh, and more. Uh, you know, he only discovers that later on. That's not like, you know, that's not straight away. Julianne Moore doesn't go, oh, yeah, I'm sleeping with your long-lost brother. Who you've, you've never met, by the way. You've never met. And uh, this whole conspiracy starts to build up. And he's, like, trying to find out who he's who's set him up. Other people, we've got Chuck Donaldson, who is Billy Season, the, his long-lost brother's adopted dad. He looked after him. Okay. Uh, then there's J.K. Simmons as Thornton Wilder. He's a rival hotelier, right? Rival hotelier. And his daughter is Scarlett Johansson. And basically, Nicolas Cage has been shagging her, so J.K. Simmons wasn't happy about that. And then he's got his parole officer, played by Danny Glover. He's just called Donge. All right, Donge. That's his name. And uh, then we've got Peter Stormare as Root, the assassin. So someone's trying to kill him. So basically, the, this is how the story it goes. Now, Johnny uh, has, has, has come out of prison. Everything's been taken from him. He's trying to sort out who, find out who sent him to prison, who got him set up. He's trying to get his money back because his accountant brother has embezzled a load of it. He's trying to get his wife back and his girlfriend. And his job back, whilst also avoiding his parole officer and a hired killer. So that is the basic plot there. So a a any questions? Well, I think you uh, won Craig over as soon as you mentioned J.K. Simmons. <laughs> I'm always going to watch anything with my boy J.K. in it. He is, he is amazing, especially when he's angry. Definitely. It sounds very Coen Brothers, to be fair. Especially as soon as you mentioned George Clooney, I was like, "Yeah, this is this is classic Coen Brothers." Oh, I spent uh, time casting. I spent time casting. You get one on board, and you get them all on board. Is it a kind of twist ending, or is it a sort of face-off, like you're just sort of in it for the the thrill? There is a little twist. There is a little twist. It turns out that Johnny Nicholas Cage, right? He's the one who's not really a season. Oh. Billy is the real season, okay? It was a... F oh. They were swapped at birth. Uh, there we are, swapped at birth. But um, they do find out who set him up. It was J.K. Simmons, because he did... But he set him up for a minor thing. It just happened to be that the police arrived at the wrong time. He just wanted a, a minor infringement. Set him up at the wrong time. He found a lot of dodgy stuff in there. Uh, oh, it also has Steve Buscemi as a sort of a, a, a called Theo Red. He's a petty gambler and thief who basically, when uh, Johnny was uh, out there, he put up with him. He was a pain in the ass, um, but he put up with him. But now he has to basically stay with him uh, in, in his shitty little apartment uh, because he's trying to escape all of this stuff. So, yeah, I put, you've got to ask Steve Buscemi in, uh, in a Coen Brothers if you can, uh, really. But, uh, yes, so that's, that's the twist. As soon as you mentioned Super Semi, I was like, right, you, you've had casinos in this, so if he isn't a casino owner, he has to be some sort of gambler or thief. So, yeah, good choice. He's a bit of both. He's just like, you know, he's perfect for it. He's perfect for the hard-on-his-luck kind of guy, although he can look sinister and a, and a sort of, like, you know, uh, evil man, like in uh, Boardwalk Empire. But um, I think he, lo he looks best as a sort of down-on-his-luck uh, gambler. But anyway, at the end, they have a happy, I, I, I think a relatively happy ending. Yeah, the brothers, even though they're not really brothers, team up. Nicolas Cage divorces his wife. It's fine. She goes off with uh, George Clooney. 
He goes off with Scarlett Johansson. It's up to you who's got the better deal there. <laughs> his dad does die. Jeff Bridges oh. dies in it, but he dies with the truth on his lips. It's like, you're not my son. So right. that's how he, he finds it, yeah. And he finds out that the assassin, the assassin, it was a wrong man. He was looking for the wrong man all mm. along. He was just a red herring. There we are. Classic Cohen brothers. The classic, <laughs> classic Cohen brothers. There we are. That's my pitch. And not a hobbit or magic in sight. I was tempted to do some outrageous things, don't get me wrong, but I couldn't be asked. That, that's why I sort of give you that, that not well, not because I was like, oh, Dan won't be asked with this. <laughs> no. I, I give you changing seasons because I thought this will be a fun one to go the complete opposite way with, which I, I, I was pretty confident you would do. But um, the names thing, would it be a case of the title changing seasons? People will be watching it like, oh, I, you know, will it be from that twist? They'll be like, oh, that's why it's called changing seasons because he's not, or it, will you sort of like, make them think that it's called changing seasons because of some other reason and then they realize oh that's it well it's 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 you know johnny is go- going on a journey he changes as a human being not and then there's a final twist of him actually changing because he's not a season yeah you know, at, at first you think it's like maybe his wife is changing seasons because she was shagging um his brother and him but she, she was also shagging his dad jeff bridges by the way there we are. I just that was another little twist. So she she she'd gone through all the seasons, even John Turturro, uh <laughs> as the the portfolio accountant, who does end up back in jail. He does in, end up in jail. So they, we have one person going back to jail. But yeah, she, she Julianne Moore plays a, a seductress quite well. I think she's rather good at it, and she's a very talented actress. So uh, that's why I wanted her shagging at all the main cast. I think there's something beautifully poetic about having George Clooney as a character who eventually takes over the the casino, given the fact that he's well known for, like, the Oceans franchise, where they're consistently robbing casinos. So he's just taken it the one step further and has just stolen an entire casino for himself. Yeah, pretty much. And there's also, throughout the whole thing, you're not entirely sure whether he is genuinely his long-lost brother. So that's what, you know, Nicolas Cage is trying to prove this is is a lie, but he ends up proving... He finds all the facts and he proves that he's not the brother. <laughs> yeah. Oh, brings up a question about Nicolas Cage. So obviously Cage is well known for having an incredible spectrum of emotions in his films. Uh, what sort of level would you imagine his performance would be at for this? Like, Right. Well, he's going to range from um, slightly erratic uh, from the beginning because he's a bit on edge. And then he's going to notch it up as we go along. As he gets shot at, it's going to, you know, as he finds out his wife is sleeping with someone else, it's going to go up a level. It's going to, because he's going to be running around till he's at, at the end, he is literally almost like, ah, the bees level of. Uh, <laughs> Um, erraticness uh, um, because he he's losing his marbles and I, I think he would actually just sort of like have a mini heart attack when his dad tells him that he is not his uh, um, that he's not his real father and then boom and then he'll calm down and uh, be on some meds for the rest of it <laughs> I'm imagine when with the casino stuff are you imagining kind of like in my head i was imagining especially because of the seasons things i don't know if it's just because the word seasons but is it like vegas style like massive you know the the greek it is yeah Yeah, he's done well for himself you see that's why he wasn't a major criminal he was a bit dodgy 
but um, that's why him going to jail was a bit annoying because he he'd kept his nose clean because he was doing well legitimately if you can call any form of gambling uh, that legitimate really but yeah so um that's the problem so yeah and now it's uh, I, I also played on the the word it's like you know because there's the four seasons hotels and stuff like that but this is yeah. not one not with them but it's a name that sounds familiar as well so if you could pair up one of the seasons brothers with one of the weather seasons which would they be oh okay let's see one of the seasons brothers uh let's see now, George Clooney, Billy season, I think he'd be like, he'd be autumn. He'd be cool and calm and, you know, the bit of grey going off there. That's a, that, that's a sort of like the, the changing of the seasons there. He's of a, of a certain age. Uh, Nick, Nicholas Cage would be... <laughs> He would be like a modern day summer where it's pissing down and freezing and then boiling and he'd have, have all the emotions. He'd be all the seasons in one, like we get nowadays. Uh, he's Welsh summer. He's global warming season is what he is. There we are. Um, he'd, you know, burning down the outback and also uh, freezing people to death within a minute. That's what I was imagining as well with this image of the casinos. I was imagining like George Clooney and, uh, you know, when they have the Vegas, like it's all orange, you know, he's like, ah, the autumn, you know, season casino. And then you see Nick Cage there in this like lavish, sleek black or I don't know, something to reflect the seasons in, in the, <laughs> some obscure thing like that. Uh, and the thing is, um, because, you know, George Clooney's making making bank now. Uh, he's he's constantly changing into smarter and smarter uh, suits, whereas Nick Cage has got the one suit he came out of prison with, and it's getting back more and more battered throughout the whole thing. Uh, um, that that's the plan anyway. So it's it's, it, it's going to have bullet you know sort of uh, holes uh, where the assassin missed him, but it's shot a bit of the 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 um, shoulder pads off of his uh, thing because he's got to have shoulder pads. It's Nicolas Cage. He's a tiny man. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so uh, that if you're gonna if you're going for a look, he's going to be quite sort of brash uh, and falling apart, whereas George Clooney is going to be cool and suave. Did you cast Sylvester Caesar as well? Sylvester Caesar was John Turturro. Oh yeah, yeah, I oh, did say yeah. What was what was his job again? Well, he looks after the the money. He's like John Nicholas Cage's accountant, but he's also his brother. He's his accountant and investment portfolio. But he's had problems himself, and he's been embezzling the money, trying to pay off uh, um, dodgy deals that he's done and stuff like that. And um, while he hasn't left him skint, uh, he has taken a lot of the money. So when you mentioned that character, I, th I thought in my head John Favreau for some reason, even though he didn't act as much, but you know, back in the day when he did that sort of more I'm the sidekick sort of character. But, but yeah, I think John Turturro is a better, better shout. It's just simply because... John Turturro's got that sort of, like, nerdiness to him. Yeah. And, and he does paranoia well as well. I mean, if you look at, you know, Barton Fink and stuff like that, and, and there's all these weird sounds going on, and he's <laughs> trying to get on with things, and he gets, gets more and more, and can't sleep, and he, he's, he's, yeah. So that's what the sort of thing I'm looking for with him, uh, that perfect form of, uh, of weirdness. I, I just think anything with him in, I've never been disappointed with his performance in a film. I've been disappointed with films with him in it because they were shit, but he was always good. True, true. Transformers, for instance. <laughs> exactly. Any of the Transformer films, shite. But he's good, and he's clearly doing it for the money so he can do things that he actually likes. <laughs>
So Dan has pitched what was originally Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring and uh, Changing Seasons, but instead is a Coen Brothers film about the season family. And uh, yeah, the many escapades that Nicolas Cage's character has during that time. Uh, awesome. Leave all the Tolkien fans. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I should have made Jeff Bridges actually a wizard before the <laughs> Yeah, is he going to come back as uh, Season the White in the sequel? <laughs> <laughs> he is. Um, yeah, that would be brilliant. Yeah. Comes comes back as Winter. <laughs> Paul, what was your allocated title? Mine was Rory's First Kiss, which I believe is the working title of um, The Dark Knight. Yes, yeah. Nothing at all to do with Batman in this film. No. I've gone a very literal interpretation of, of the working title. Um, my, the log line, if you like, for mine is, wouldn't you like Nora Ephron to conduct your love life? Oh. <laughs> Directed by Taika Waititi and starring Archie Yates, who played Jojo Rabbit's best friend in Jojo Rabbit. Plays a 14-year-old boy called Rory. He's a hopeless romantic, spends his time watching and reviewing romantic comedies with his best friend Alice. It's obvious to everyone they should be together, but it's not obvious to Alice and certainly not Rory. Um, Rory's hung up on some crush he's got in school that he never talks to. It's very clear that he's just in love with the idea of being in love than perhaps the person he's chosen to obsess on. The big school dance is coming up. Alice has, has managed to get a date, but Rory is still without one. But to his surprise, this girl, Laura, I'll call her, asks him out on a date. And to Rory, this is like the most romantic thing that's ever happened. Um, she warns him that she expects to be kissed at this, at this dance. But little does he know that Rory is the subject of a cruel, cruel prank that will culminate at the dance. So Rory becomes obsessed about his first kiss and starts watching strangers kissing in public, which understandably gets him into some trouble. Um, we watch him at the mall, like make, uh, watching th this couple in their 20s making out, and he's chased away by a security guard, falls over and bumps his head. He, he wakes up, bandage on his head in his bedroom, but it's not his mother looking over after him. It's the ghost of Nora Ephron, the writer of When Harry Met Sally, You've Got Mail, and to a lesser extent, Julie and Julia. She takes him back through time to meet people who have had historical first kisses to prepare him for the big moment with his crush. They go back, the first people they meet are like the first human-like creatures to kiss. Rory sees it as this big romantic gesture. Uh, Nora and Efren see it, sees it as a primal sexual thing and more like a porno. And shortly after seeing that kiss, they see the first same-sex same kiss. But because early man didn't have the same hang-ups about sex and gender or who you can love, it's not a big problem. After that, they go and meet May Irwin and John Rice, played by um, Alison Janney and Brad Whitford. They are the first actors to have an on-screen kiss. The director was Thomas Edison, who was a bit of a prick, and will be played by Brad Whitford. Not Brad Whitford, he just said him, Nick Offerman. Rory and Nora Ephron watch them, watch Edison trying to get this, these, these actors who absolutely hate each other to kiss, but they do it for the art. And Rory's starting to think that Nora Ephron and her rom-com credentials are a bit shit at this point because all the kisses, he's, kisses he's, he's observed are not romantic at all. They then forward to the 60s and they meet um, William Shatner, played by Chris Pine and Michelle Nichols, played by um, Zoe Saldana, as they're about to do the first on-screen interracial kiss. Shatner, in the meantime, tries to pitch Nora Ephron an episode of Star Trek, where he loses his first love and ends up going on the subspace communicator to talk about his loss at the galaxy, getting lots of responses from alien women. He meets a Klingon called Akogoroth, who is already betrothed to marry, or in Klingon, Tloch, another. 
but that's that's by the by. Um, Rory chastises Nora Ephron at this point because everyone knows that Granada TV's 1959 TV play You in Your Small Corner was the first interracial case on television. So they visit the set of that and in typical British quiet reserve, they don't really get that far in terms of the kissing. Um, Rory's really unhappy by now, all these kisses. It seems like they're supposed to mean something romantically, but actually they don't mean anything to the people taking part of them. So he demands Nora Ephron take him to his parents' first kiss and is crushed to discover that his parents didn't even, their first kiss wasn't even with each other. It was some random teenager that they met in school. And so Rory learns that he shouldn't fret about this first kiss and realizes that despite what Nora Ephron taught him, he should wait for someone special and not some random person he'll forget. So on the night of the dance, before Laura can prank him, he tells her publicly that he doesn't want to kiss her. And then the the big climax is that his best friend Alice admits that she quite fancies him. And just as they're about to kiss, we cut to black and there's a big the end at the on the screen. And that's my film. Oh, and Nora Ephron, I think, would be played by Meryl Streep because it seems to make sense. That's quite beautiful, Paul. That's it's quite <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying that. He's almost like he's, he's quantum leaping into um, kiss scenarios. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's essentially well, everything I write, Dan, is just quantum leap. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what every, every person of a certain age just writes every everything as quantum leap. And it's just like, all you have to do is adjust some names and it's quantum leap. <laughs> my, my dream is to have, have my own TV show where quantum leap is actually happening, but you see it from the perspective of the people who are there. So there's just some guy saying, oh boy, <laughs> and then he's talking to some ghost. And then at the end, the character's personality completely changes back to normal <laughs> one day. It's funny as well how, again, it was like you listen to Dan's, it was like, yeah, that's Coen Brothers. And it's the same as like, yeah, I can imagine Taika Waititi doing that. I, and with this one, I can specifically imagine the poster as well, because was it... Is Rory played by the kid who plays uh, Jojo's best friend, or did you say he's... He's played by the kid who played Jojo's best friend. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Because yeah. um, he'd yeah. be a little bit older now, a little bit older. Yeah. Just enough, just enough of the kissing age. Sort of. I can imagine it kind of like, yeah, Hunt for the Wild People type poster where he's looking at the camera kind of like, uh-oh, and <laughs> like all this craziness happening around him. Kind of like. <laughs> so, and crucially, unlike other Hollywood films, he would be the age of the character he's playing as a teenager. Yeah, nobody likes that sort of I'm an adult playing a teenager thing. It's just just creepy. <laughs> so when he's like transported to these these different times, these different places, how does that happen? In 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 what manner does this sort of transportation happen? Because it's it's quite an important thing, really. It is. And and I haven't put much thought into it, Dan, to be honest. <laughs> it could be a quantum leap blue light thing, or it could be given its film, you walk through a door. And there's another set there. I, li- I like that idea of, of walking through the door because what it could do is give you the opportunity then for him to split off from what's her name, Nora, and accidentally go down the wrong door and see some really bad kisses so he shouldn't see until he's a yes. lot older. <laughs> <laughs> or it could be evil people kissing. So you can have Hitler again kissing Eva Broad. You can have all these evil people, you know, evil kisses and... Uh, that she has to get him back up there, back out of there quickly. The walking out of the door, right? I think is a is a lovely sort of that, that could work. But uh, yeah, it was just one of those things. I was thinking, oh, about a montage of him going down a corridor of really bad kisses. <laughs> I just imagine walking down that corridor. He looks through one of the doors, goes, 
That's not where you kiss someone. It's like, okay, moving on. <laughs> it's, it's, and he sees a, a sign for Deep Throat, the film. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of like when Taika Waititi in Ragnarok did the, like, welcome to Sakaar, and, like, it was, like, uh, pure imagination play, and it's just, like, him strapped in at a chair, and he's like, oh, God, what is all this? I, I kind of imagined it as you were saying it, because it's, I think, the ghost thing. Like, I saw Ghost uh, Christmas Carol, you know, where they kind of just saw, like, fade into the scene, you know, so one minute he's watching Tiny Tim, and then he's there in, like, the future, where it's just the empty chair and that kind of thing. So I just imagined then somebody, two people kissing, and, like, said, and then it's, like, he then goes to 40 years later, and it's, like, an old couple kissing, and he's like, oh, where are we now? And it's like, oh, this is, you know, so it's just not so much, like, a blue light door thing. It's just literally budget <laughs> so but, yeah it's like oh let's fade into it fade yeah. star wipe <laughs> yeah. is there a reason given for why uh, for why Nora everyone is helping or is it literally just because because of the imagination I, just because I think it's Nora Ephron and she's like the big rom-com guru or well, she was she was um, yeah yeah and certainly as a writer I, I think you know, one one of the best in terms of rom coms. Kind of reminded me a bit of Big Mouth, where he's got the ghost of that jazz singer in his attic. I don't know if you've seen oh, yeah. Big Mouth, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have. Yes, yes. but I, I was thinking of a more of a sort of like um, an American uh, kissing Mary Poppins type character. <laughs> <laughs> like, like this isn't the first kid she's done this with. She's <laughs> she's, she's, she's and then she'll fly off. Uh, and teach someone else about, I don't know, uh, venereal diseases. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> At the end, it's just a wonderful life. It's just, you know, some, like they hear some puckering. It's like, look, Daddy, you know, an angel gets his wings. You know, it's that kind of equivalent for kissing. It's like when the, when the wind changes direction, it's just when the kiss, like, puckers in a different direction. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of, like, one thing I thought, in terms of the feel, because until you said, like, oh, they go to the the filming of the interracial kiss and you said it was like Granada. I was like, cause at that, up until that point I sort of imagined it more Jojo Rabbit, kind of an Americanized version of some way. Um, and then that's why I thought, Oh, it's like, you know, so yeah. Did you imagine it being more British or American or. I think much more American. I just got, I was reached. I, I, I thought the Star Trek one was the first interracial kiss and I was researching it and I thought, oh, it's Granada. But I really mm. wanted to get that thing about Shatner pitching a version of You've Got Mail in Space. <laughs> so I just, for, for accuracy's sake, I put the Granada thing in as well. And then, you know, British people are a bit more reserved, I think, about that. Um, and Britain doesn't have a great history of teenage, like, romantic comedies either. So I thought it'd be interesting to uh... touch on that. No, Submarine is, is a good example of a, of yeah. a British romantic oh, yes. sort of thing. It's a really good film, and it's it it, it, it there's similar vibes there about like the, almost like the obsession of of his romance and stuff like that. But but your character would be a lot younger, so it would be a lot more innocent as well, which is yes. really, really good. Yeah, yeah, that's what I really liked about his character in Jojo Rabbit at the yeah. end with the, with a the gun. <laughs> well, well, yeah, with the, the rocket launcher. He's giving, he's yeah. like, oh, hiya! And he just drops the <laughs> rocket launcher, you know, because he's a small child with a weapon that could kill, you know. <laughs> no idea how to use it, which is, is really good because he's, you know, he's a young man growing up and he has no idea how to use what he's got. No. So this is good, you know. Um, yeah. And the idea where you said about him, you know, watching people kiss, you can get, you know, from him in Jojo Rabbit, you can get the idea of like, well, I was told to do this, but then I wasn't sure about that, you know. So you can get that that idea of him already. So like just going, well, I've watched people and 
yeah, you know that 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 seemed quite weird to me, but, but yeah, I think they get away with it with that with that character, that sort of plot element, and because it's Taika Waititi. How much of the film do you think would be exploring all of the previous uh, Kiss scenarios? Uh, would it come in like relatively soon, or would it be like a slow build-up of him trying to find out the uh, trying to find out and watch these people on their own for a bit? I think. I think by about 15 minutes i want people to settle in and think this is just a normal old teenage romantic comedy and then all of a sudden nora efron's ghost turns up things go a little strange and i you know it could be that in, in between these little visits he's spending time with alice's best friend and you see that romance develop a little bit mm. even though they're both oblivious to it as as in most romantic comedies so i think it'd take up a reasonable chunk of the running time how much of a time travel film would you see it? Because like we were saying just then about like it being a rom-com. So, and I said about the poster, but then, you know, would you want a sort of back to the future type poster where it's like <laughs> they're watching Kissing and it's like this big time travel machine. They're like, <gasps> you know, or is it, like you said, more rom-com-y sort of feel to it? Well, there's, there's that old um, stereotype of having... Um people like uh, Matthew McConaughey and, and such leaning on things in romantic comedy posters. <laughs> so it'd be quite good to do um, a parody of that somehow. The tiny child leaning against some incongruous item from the film. Overstretching as well. So he's a bit awkward. He looks like he's going to collapse any minute. <laughs> Just him and Nora, like, sight, you know, like back to back in front of a skitty, city skyline. Because he's quite small, he'd just be basically leaning on her ass. <laughs> you just see the top of his head and then just hear. <laughs> that could work, yeah. Starring? Make a note of that one. Question mark. <laughs> see the film to know who it is. Any other questions? Like casting or. Any, yeah, any other sort of like um, minor characters that might pop up? Any sort of like your cameos you're thinking of uh, shoving in there? Will William Shatner actually appear? <laughs> well, I thought it'd be nice to have Chris Pine and, and Zoe Saldana in the role. So, so that it works. Chris... Yeah, that's a really nice touch. Yeah, I was I struggled with the casting the teenage girl parts just because I'm not sure I, I'm not familiar with those kind of actors. But you trust it, Taika Waititi with these kind of things. He's really good at finding. Um, young actors. Yeah, like I saw a young Saoirse Ronan or someone like that. Or something, maybe. Yes. But, but <laughs> when you said about the Chris Pine thing, you'd have to have then a scene where he was like, what happened to him in the future? So, well, and it's just like transitions into old chat then. Have you seen those adverts for the History Channel programs he does where he's just literally like in space and on rocks and he's like, we're going to explore this and, and just then have Rory just be like, what happened? And <laughs> Nora's just like, I don't know. <laughs> but Shatner is still pitching that, that you've got mail in Star Trek land. <laughs> yeah. and, like maybe in the future, in the future, like um, uh, Rory goes, uh, takes his, his, uh, uh, well, Alice, uh, was it Alice? Yeah. Yes. Uh, on a, on a date to and and it's it's to like a comic con or something and Shatner's there and Shatner recognizes him. <laughs> hey you. <laughs> well, we, uh, you know anyway there's infinite possibilities with time travel. It's almost like cheating. Yes. <laughs> we obviously like Dan said about Lord of the Rings there's more of that natural changing seasons, you know Lord of the Rings, you know there's Rivendell and all that kind of stuff. It makes sense but Rory's first kiss is such a departure from what the Dark Knight actually is as well. It's, it's, so I'd love it that, you know, again, people 
who may be fans of Lord of the Rings could go to Dan's home and be like, okay, yeah, but but <laughs> Rory's first kiss would be quite the opposite of what you would expect from from the Dark Knight. And why they cho- why they chose that working title, I don't know. There must be some actual logic to it. With the Dark Knight, I mean, they they actually sussed it out as well. Um, the the, the mm. people because he was trying to use the name to sort of hide it. So he'd go, you know, Nolan did, but then they sussed it out when um, he put a casting call out for like loads of real cops, yeah, uh, people stuff like that, and uh, yeah, bagpipers. Yeah, it, no, I don't think it was. I was going to say was it actually as clear as like Gotham Police, but no, I think it was like you said. It was just the fact that there were loads of police officers and detectives, and yeah, <laughs> and it had it had his name attached, and it's like everyone knows he's attached to it. Yeah, so. that might be it. It was the maybe on the set. The people were walking around with Gotham PD on it, so they were like, "Why is uh, Gotham PD in uh, this Rory's first kiss movie?" <laughs> <laughs> How important is this kid? Maybe that that could be a, an Easter egg of Paul's film. It could just be that when Rory's getting in trouble for watching these people kiss, like Gotham PD, like <laughs> you know, take him. Set during the same time that the Joker had his reign of terror, just going on very subtly in the background. <laughs> oh, well when Bane is you know like the bankers and everything all that chaos is happening <laughs> to see like riots in the background it's a weird one for for working titles what what are you guys thoughts on on those two films pitted again you know would you see both of them Craig do you think oh, you know, I'd happily watch both of them for <laughs> completely different reasons yeah. I mean to be honest I'd really enjoy Paul's one it sounds sounds good because of the choice of director that would be my first thing you know yeah. it's just like that that's all all i need because i trust him entirely mm. uh um and then it does sound like a really quirky idea the way he did jojo rabbit which is working with kids and hunt for the wilder people it's phenomenal he can get the best yeah. out of, uh, of them and he'll get all the good humor he would have to have a cameo in it though paul oh of course yes but you, you know you haven't thought of that one yet so you've got to no. you know think of, he's got to be like some minded like in hunt for, for the wilder people he was uh uh, he was like a weird priest kind of guy. Maybe if they're time traveling, it'll be like Jojo Rabbit, where no other actor wanted to play Hitler, so he had to play Hitler. Maybe there'll be some sort of character which he's like, right, I'll have to play this character because nobody else wants to. He, he See, can play all of the dictators in the dictator kissing corridor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is a kissing nice from hell. <laughs> See, I just imagined uh, what TT is as just like the principal at the school dance or whatever, just like something that would have some form of significance, but not overly significant. So you could still have like a, a blend of it. So a little bit like a, like a Korg sort of character where where like when he appears, he's memorable, but not all of the time. Mm. Yeah. That would be quite good. Idea. They could have, but this would probably be more an, a Saturday night live sketch that would come out when the film would come out. But you could have Nora Ephron sort of come up be like, are you my imaginary friend? And then sort of Taika as Hitler comes over like, oh, sorry, wrong, <laughs> wrong imaginary friend or something like that. Or Taika plays Nora Ephron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sold. Sold. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to invest all my Bitcoin into this. <laughs> and the winner for Best Picture goes to... <laughs> the Oscar for Best Actor slash Actress. What are some of your guys' favourite fake titles, you know, etc.? I think one of the most famous ones is, you know, Blue Harvest, you know, one of the big examples. You know, what ones that come to you, you, know, to you guys? Mind? One of my favourites is... Um... Planet Ice. Yeah, I chose this. <laughs> no, this Planet Ice. I mean, it's it's. Do you know what it is, Paul? I I was I I came across the other day. What what was it? It's Titanic. 
Titanic. Uh, and to be honest, I reckon Planet Ice would be amazing if the whole Titanic bit like happened in the first half an hour, and then they crashed into the, this iceberg, and then all of them, all of the people escaped under this huge ice land, and they found themselves on a, a planet of ice. That would be a great film. Uh, instead of just all dancing and uh, uh, drawing nudies. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I think Planet Ice would be a much better film than Titanic. It is funny that it does just give you, like, B-movie sort of vibes, and then it just couldn't be the more more opposite. Like, nope, this is about, like, an actual real-world tragedy, and you're like, oh, right, okay. Let's just pray that some of the survivors never see that it was pitched as, or suggested to be Planet Ice, in which case it would be, like, a bit, bit harsh. Considering it was made around the time of like Independence Day and films like that, you could imagine photographers turning up like, oh, let's get this, you know, photos of this planet ice film, you know, it must be Leonardo DiCaprio, like trying to save people. And it's just there photographing like, why is everyone in period dress? Why, why are they in the water? What's that film where they, the, like the world freezes and Jake Gyllenhaal punches a wolf or something? What's it called? <laughs> uh, oh, the Day After Tomorrow. The Day After yeah. Tomorrow. It could be like something like that quite easily. Yeah, just, exactly, yeah. A different font, and maybe theirs is the only ship that is still going. Like Snowpiercer, uh, it's just travelling around. The world's frozen, and this ship is travelling around, keeping everyone alive. Craig, Paul, have you got any favourite uh, fake working titles? I've got two. One is Colorado Nights, Alien vs. Predator 2. <laughs> That's oh what I just like. I can just imagine where they start off as as enemies, then they team up <laughs> and, uh, and going around Colorado, uh, uh, which call it in dance competitions. <laughs> like the nice guys with the the PIs, and they've teamed up. <laughs> God, yeah, that'd be amazing. Colorado, nice. Already a better film than Alien vs Predator Two. Um, and the other one was its genre. Oh, I think I saw this. What was it? No, it... Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah, because I was thinking of using that one to give you guys, and I was like, what could you make a film out of with that? Just, it would be like, now we're in this genre, now we're in this genre, or something like that. But I was like... it, it would be something um, starring Philip Seymour Hoffman, even though he's not around anymore. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. If, if something called genre would have to feature him, I reckon. Yeah. There we are. There was another one I saw as well, which is called a Group Hug. Yeah, that's um, Avengers, isn't it? Yeah, the Avengers. Yeah. So it was Group Hug, and it's just like, oh, that's okay. quite sweet, isn't it? I wasn't like Age of Ultron, like High Five or something. It was like a, a you know, like a continuation of and it. It's, it's it's sickening though because all of the cast got on really well. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and it, it, it's ruined my illusion of Hollywood as a bitter, evil place full of divas. I like. Cheese. Do you see what cheese is? Cheese. Cheese. It's a clover field. <laughs> Why? That could be a brand of cheese. <laughs> well, it is. I mean, clover is a, is a brand of butter, isn't it? Fake butter. True. We all just... love clover field. <laughs> I was just imagining... <laughs> the image from that is the Statue of Liberty. So I was just imagining instead this giant block of cheese. <laughs> Everyone's like, what's going on? You know. There was also one which is quite obvious, and this was a, a title they literally were thinking of using, and that was <laughs> Star Beast. Uh Alien. Yeah, Alien. Oh. It, was, it was only once they watched their own film 
and the fact that they'd used the word alien a lot, that they decided to call it alien rather than star beast. Oh. Star beast, if you look at all the sequels then, you've got, uh, you know, star beasts, uh, <laughs> star beast versus predator, uh, star beasts versus predator too. <laughs> Just have to find the working title for predator so that it's star beast versus... <laughs> Star beats, uh, Star Beasts Resurrection. <laughs> oh, I, I think well, Predator would have to be Hunting Alien. <laughs> yes, Star Beast versus Hunting Alien. <laughs> There's one that I just like because of it's such a clash against it. So, uh, one of the sequels for the Chronicles of Narnia, I think it's Cr- uh, Prince Caspian. Uh, simply, the title they've gone for is just Toasty, and I'm just like, <laughs> such a beautiful, like sort of sweet name for just a, a really traditional fantasy like epic it's just toasty i think i did see read up about that one i think it was something silly like they ate toasties on the first film and that was the reason or something weird like that oh and let's not forget the famous one which is scary movie which is then scream and then that's why scary movie is called scary movie and yeah. did they co- did they call it scream <laughs> their, their working title was Scream. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Okay, end game time. So, obviously we heard you guys beautifully explain uh, the ideas behind your films and you did it in a way which was clear and very coherent. One of my favourite things that emerged on the internet in recent years is people badly explaining the plot of a film, taking things wildly out of context and just making it sound like a different film altogether. So that's what we're going to be looking at today in the very lazily titled Endgame, Badly Explained Movie Plots. So the idea is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you a badly explained movie plot and I would like you guys to tell me which film you think this is meant to be describing. So we've got 11 in total. Uh, so basically you'll be playing for a maximum of 11 points. If it gets down to a draw then I'm screwed. Um, Okay, are we ready to begin? We are ready. Perfect. So some of these you may have seen before. Some of these are ones that I've tried to create. There's one one in here, which if you get fantastic, you could probably compete to be my new best friend. Sorry, David. Okay. Movie plot number one. Rich woman denies poor man resources and proceeds to watch him freeze to death. Very quickly, both of you have entered Titanic, and both of you are. Yep, it is indeed Titanic. Um, the or other... Planet Ice. <laughs> or Planet Ice, indeed. Can anyone, this isn't for any bonus points, but can anyone guess what another joking, uh, badly explained movie plots for this film might be? Boat crash. <laughs> Mass <that>. transit accident. <laughs> It, uh, my favourite one that I saw was uh, a large group of people take on the ice bucket challenge. <laughs> Another working title for Titanic was the Ship of Dreams, but that you know that wouldn't. So... <laughs> yeah, that's that would give too much away. Yeah, wet dr- wet dreams. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number two. Two soldiers beat up orphan with heart defect after one soldier killed the boy's parents. Again, both of you have given me the same answer. Both of you are correct. David, do you know what this film is? Say it again. Sorry, say that. Two soldiers beat up orphan with heart defect after one of the soldiers killed his parents. 
Two soldiers. Guys, what's the answer? It's the Winter the Soldier. soldier. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, actually, I've just realised I've given you right. It's, it's okay. Civil War. It's actually Civil War, so you're both wrong. To... Oh. I'll give you, I'll give you the point because it's Captain oh. America. All right. Okay. I'll, I'll be I'll be nice there. Uh, but yeah, it's Captain America Civil War. Number three. Very much in the same sort of mindset. So let's see how you do with this one. Dismembered war veteran fights off band of rebel insurgents. Dismembered war veteran fights off band of rebel insurgents. Oh, God damn it. I put the wrong answer. <laughs> now I know the right one. <laughs> okay, so... Dan has gone, gone for Empire Strikes Back and Paul has gone for Iron Man. Paul has already admitted to himself that this answer is... Dan, you are... Paul, do you think you know what the right answer is? It's Star Wars A New Hope. It's not A New Hope, but you oh. are right in the... It's Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Ah. The corridor scene with Darth Vader. Okay. Uh. Cool. Well, Empire, Empire Strikes Back is all about the rebel and shit. <laughs> yeah. And, and he, yeah, but never mind. It, okay. It's fine. I mean, Continue. Okay, I will be fair. I'll be fair. Given the fact I awarded Captain America as right, I will award anything within relevant Star Wars era correct. <laughs> so, Dan, I will give you a point for that. Oh, Paul, thank you. unfortunately, because you originally said Iron Man. and That's then fine. Okay, number four is what I think is the most difficult one. Okay. Ready? Mm -hmm. This film is basically just Operation U-Tree. Oh, God. <sighs> okay, so Paul has gone for the film Spotlight, which is... Dan has gone for the film Cats, which is... No, so the film in question is actually a monster calls because a large, <sighs> a large part of that film is they basically make a cancer medita uh, uh, medication out of the bark of a yew tree. So oh yeah, yeah genius. So basically, yeah, I thank you. I'm really happy with that one. Okay, number five. Americans finally bother to learn a different language. Interesting approaches from both. So Dan has gone for Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Paul has gone for Shakespeare in Love. In this situation, in terms of the answer that I have in front of me, uh, wrong for both because the film in question is Arrival. Uh, yeah, I did. I remember seeing this one. <laughs> yeah. I think part of it is that I haven't seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So what exactly happens in that film? Because if it's close... They, well, what they do is they start to communicate with the aliens through sound patterns and stuff like that. And okay. they, re they repeat their sounds and they repeat. So they learn to communicate um, through different language, as it were. Okay. So on that basis, because uh, also it's re related to aliens, I'm tempted to give Dan a point for that. What do you think, David? I don't know. I think if it was a more modern sci-fi, I would say yes. But no, I think it's too far off in terms of even era or anything. So. Okay. So. <laughs> I swear you shook your head as I was talking, so you were like, "No, I, I'm with you. I'm with you." Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Number six. 
bratty teen is finally allowed to leave home and have romantic relations with a different species. Bratty teen is finally allowed to leave home and have romantic relations with a different species. <laughs> oh God, they're both great answers. So Dan has gone for E.T., the extraterrestrial. <laughs> and Paul Hunt has gone for J.J. Uh, well, I, I think it's meant to be Abrams, but it's spelled it, it Abraham. Is. Okay, all right. Okay, I'm just reading. Uh, I've, just typed, I've just done a typo. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. So, uh, yeah, J.J. Abraham's Star Trek. Um, so these are... Because the answer I've gone for is The Little Mermaid. <laughs> I like how Dan went in the approach of like aliens because I was like, where's the film where like a human goes and outside? And I was like, because like Avatar isn't, you know, like a bratty teen. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, an alien coming to us. I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah. Like for some of these, you've got to have a, a warped mindset, basically. So, okay, number seven. Older sister ruins younger sister's chance of appearing on the hottest reality TV show. I wish you guys could see the faces on our guests because they just a look of this frustration. Is like, can, you, can you repeat it once more and I'll, I'll, I'll hazard a guess. Okay. Older sister ruins younger sister's chance of appearing on the hottest reality TV show. Okay, so Paul has gone for Frozen. Dan has gone for 1917. <laughs> Phenomenal answers, but unfortunately they are... I know it, I know it. <laughs> David, what's the correct answer? The Hunger Games. <laughs> I've not seen that. Ah, I see. Yeah, so the plot of that film is that uh, because they were they basically randomly pull a name out of a hat to see who competes in these like children death games. The main character is Katniss, her sister gets pulled out. So to save her from being sent into the game, she basically then volunteers herself. So the joke She volunteers is, attribute. Yeah. Which, so the joke here is that she stole her chance of appearing on television. <laughs> okay. I think you'll like me for the next one. Mainly in that I think you'll get it. Number eight. Billionaire spends fortune to beat up mentally ill people. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, for this one, I haven't put a specific film, so if you just want to put like a franchise, that's fine. Okay, so Paul has gone for Batman. Dan has gone for Batman slash The Dark Knight. You are both correct. It is indeed Batman. Using his money responsibly. Okay, number nine, and this is my personal favorite. American invades a foreign land, kills the leadership, and teams up with local rebels to kill again. American invades foreign land, kills the leadership, and teams up with local rebels to kill again. Okay. So one of these answers I think is going in the right direction. Paul has gone for Saving Private Ryan, and Dan has gone for A Bug's Life. <laughs> so different. <laughs> so in this situation, both answers are incorrect, because the correct answer is The Wizard of Oz. Ah, oh, Wizard of Oz. Of course, of course. 
It's one of my favorite descriptions. Because <laughs> it's all true from a certain point of view. Number 10. An hour and a half of watching people sleep. An hour and a half of watching people sleep. Okay. So Paul has gone for Inception. Dan has gone for Paranormal Activity. Dan? Paul? Yep, the answer is Inception. It's longer than an hour half, though. It's about three hours. Ah. Well, to be fair, I don't think they're sleeping. I don't think people... To be fair, I don't think people are sleeping for the entire three hours. Maybe some of the audience, if they're not on board with the film plot, but... Okay, <laughs> no, they, so... they walk after an hour and a half. <laughs> or okay, did you so... fall asleep in it, Craig, and only caught an hour and a half of it? I haven't <laughs> seen it, so... <laughs> okay, so this is the last question, and nail-bitingly, both competitors are on equal amounts of points. <sighs> so this will either decide it or make me, or force me into a last-minute selection. Are we ready? Mm-hmm. A girl has to dress up as a man just to be taken seriously. Okay, so both competitors have given me different answers. Dan has given me Mulan. Paul has given me something I genuinely have never heard of called Albert Nobbs. You'll have to explain what that is to me, but... It's got Meryl uh, Streep in it. <laughs> I think it's Glenn Close. Oh, Glenn Close. Oh, same person, really. Yeah. Okay, so the correct answer I was looking for was Mulan, which means that Dan... Dan gets the point. Oh, well In done. your face, Paul Hunt. In <laughs> your face. Okay. But yeah, seriously, what is Albert Nobbs? <laughs> it's, um, it's set in the 19th century in Ireland, I think. Okay. Um, and she lives her life as a man, even though she's biologically female. She she works as a butler. Um, oh, okay. It it's probably not as um, exciting as Mulan. There's not as many songs in it, really. No. There, you know? no. <laughs> I was just gonna say, I quickly like googled up uh, badly explained film plots just in case we wanted to use one as a tie break, and I saw the one for Titanic, which is everyone tries the ice bucket challenge. That's, that's what, that's wow. what Craig that's what said, said earlier. earlier. Was it? Oh. Said that earlier, David. Oh, right. oh, okay. oh I, hang I, I on, hang on. <laughs> this is great, isn't it? Uh, a white man does not listen to his own podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have got, we've gone full circle. Okay, I've also seen Grumpy Emo Chick ponders whether to shag a corpse or a dog over several years, but I thought, that, yeah, that one's a bit too obvious. <laughs> look, mate, look, you, yeah, that, that, that's Twilight, but the yeah, fact I'll, is... I'll just, I'll no, just edit stop. it where I think the Twilight one is the best one, okay? No. Stop trying to deny the fact that you um, you made a terrible error. I know. You didn't listen to your own I, show. I clearly just went into the twilight zone for like that five minutes and then the game went that was over. The sad thing is that David's one editing this podcast, so he's just going to take that out. No, I, I will put That's it That's why you've got to keep keep mentioning the fact that yeah. David Oscar made a mistake. Dan was so loud during my Twilight one that I couldn't get away with it. I know. <laughs> it was intentionally done. So that comes to the end of the end game. So with five points to four, Dan hey. is the victor in this situation. And it's his second win. He's continuing his winning streak when he was on before. 
Yeah, it's only a year between wins. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sometimes that's what you can take. So, yeah, well done, Dan, and uh, thank you for joining us, both of you. Uh, it's been really fun talking about your pitches and working titles for films. And, yeah, like I said, I think coronavirus has meant that some people, again, weird dreams, you know, where they're just not seeing as much of the world at the moment. So now we're just going to be dreaming of, like, this Nicolas Cage film, this, you know, <laughs> Taika Waititi adaptation. Um where, where can we find you both, Paul? Any socials? Any what agent? What's your agent's name, Cantor? Um I'm on Twitter with um, Saul Huntman, and I'm on Instagram where I just post pictures of ceilings with the same um, handle. Yeah, play the which ceiling are you? <laughs> I I'm on uh, Twitter as Speckleptic, so I'm an epileptic with specs. But you also, um, if you uh, look on Instagram. Under ten stories high, I will have some announcements soon about my own podcast, which I will listen to myself. David. Oh. <laughs> it's not like I didn't listen to my own voice; I just didn't listen to my co-host. That makes it worse. <laughs> <laughs> we were playing a game. I was thinking off in the clouds of you know other. <laughs> it's like that Simpsons episode where Homer's just imagining the beer on the little tricycle in the sink. <laughs> so <I> was... <laughs> Uh, so yeah thank you guys we've had loads of fun today and uh, yeah it's been quite refreshing uh, unfortunately we can't put those films in the film vault uh, because they don't exist but hopefully one day they will <laughs> we'll uh, tag Ta- Taika Waititi and the Coen brothers and uh, hopefully they'll uh, pick them up so yeah thank you for joining us guys we had loads of fun and um, yeah we'll goodbye con- yeah continue to go uh, making bizarre films from uh, working titles <laughs> We'll catch you in the next one, guys. I look forward to being ignored in the future.